Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. I'm Matt Love. Uh, I'm not here with JD today. He is uh, not going to be answering a question live with me, but he did answer a question in a recent sermon. And as you know, occasionally when JD preaches a sermon and he gives an answer to a question that we know people at the summit are asking or that um, kind of uh, comes from the, the word that JD's preaching on, we think that it could be helpful for you guys. And we like to pull those out throw those on here because uh, it's just a really good answer to a good question. So we're going to do that today. And the question today um, is a big question that Summit has been working through and that many churches are trying to figure out what this looks like. So the question today is, how does the church achieve diversity? Let's take a listen to what JD has to say. Isn't it clear from what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 9 that he was focused on reaching different kinds of people, not just one. He, he had Jews and people under the law. You had Gentiles and those outside the law. And Paul was trying to reach all of them. And that was hard. Y'all, do you know how much easier it would have been for Paul to just focus on one kind of person? To go to one side of the city, the Jewish quarter, plant a church focused only on reaching Jews, and then go to the other side of the city the next you know, couple of weeks and plant one there that reached Gentiles? So you get First Baptist Jew on this side and First Baptist Gentile over there. And they'll cooperate in a joint community service project. Y'all, that would have been way easier and would have led to so much less conflict. I mean, they all would already have thought the same about meat questions and political questions. Paul didn't do that though. Instead, he challenged the church to put some of their cultural preferences aside to reach somebody else because he knew what Jesus wanted. What would glorify Jesus was a united community, not a bunch of segregated ones. So the Jews, he says, I became like a Jew, which means I did Jewish stuff. I ate Jewish food. I listened to Jewish music. I entered into Jewish struggles. I wore Jewish clothes. I asked Jewish political questions. I listened to what they said. I got Timothy circumcised. Then to the weak, I became weak. Paul says, even though I knew theologically I was free to eat the bacon, I refused to do anything that put a stumbling block between me and somebody else. I made all of these cultural adaptations to reach people. And that was hard. Some of church, listen to me. I'm not gonna make this rosy at all. The gap between us, many of our neighbors, is often a cultural one. We know, we know y'all, that Jesus did not only die for Republicans. We know that he didn't only die for political conservatives or white people or middle-class families with kids. He died for all peoples at all stages of life from all economic strata. And in order to reach all of them, we all have to be willing to turn down certain things and lean hard into some. And I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now, that's hard. Yo, it is so easy right now to nod your head, mm-hmm, that's right, mm-hmm. But it is hard when the rubber meets the road. Let me show you what I mean, okay? Now, fair warning, this, this story is gonna be hard for many of you. Candidly, it was pretty hard for me the first time I heard it. One of our members of color who attended a black church for most of his life told me, he said, you know, growing up, he said, in times like the ones we went through in the summer of 2020, he said, you know, the church was the one place that I could go for refuge, confident that everybody there felt the same pain, shared in the same anxieties and just understood. And the church was the one place he said, I could just let my guard down and be. The trauma of slavery in the past and Jim Crow laws created, he said, a solidarity in the black community that served 
as a refuge in times of trial. So he said when something tragic happened in the black community, he could expect that it would be discussed at church that week because that shared pain and fear was on everybody's mind automatically when they came in. He said, in choosing to come to a multi-ethnic church, our church, especially one where the majority of the membership is still white, he said that he had given up that comfort because not every person in the church understands his worries. He says, I get that. Not everybody has the same perspective coming in. And I, I gave that up. He said, some, in fact, seem primarily concerned to show that my worry or my pain is not even legitimate. He has chosen to be a part of our community here because he believes in the vision of this church, but it's hard. And here's the truth, y'all. He should not have to be the only one who has to adapt. For those of us in the white community, we, we also have to enter as much as we can into the culture of others to take on their burdens, to listen to them. It doesn't mean that we say that their perspective is infallible and ours is wholly flawed. It does not mean that at all. But it means that we lay aside cultural preferences and perspectives and try to enter in with each other and remove as many barriers as possible to lay aside whatever we can for the gospel. We do it all for the sake of the gospel. And we might save some. It also means that all of us will become a little more muted on some of our perspectives to keep us from causing unnecessary division in the body. I mean, we're silent about them. Just means we're judicious with how we talk about them. In 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul was willing to be quiet or muted on secondary convictions that he was fully convinced he was right about because he thought the unity of the church and its evangelistic mission were more important than maintaining a uniformity of perspective in all things. Paul never even said, I give up eating bacon altogether. He's just like, I just know that there are times to do it and times not to do it. We have people leave this church all the time. They leave this church all the time because we don't say exactly what they want on some political or social issue. Oh, we say too much about some issue. Oh, we didn't say enough about that one. Y'all, listen, hear me. I am not saying all perspectives are equally valid. I am certainly not saying that we are ever muted or unclear about injustice or wrong, the sanctity of life, the evils of racism, equality under the law. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that there are times, there are times that my particular perspective on the best way to set up society or my opinion about the best people to lead us there or my interpretations of some event, there are times, y'all, I'll dial that back because it's more important that people hear and experience the gospel than it is that everybody see every situation the way that I see it. It's not that these other things are not important. They are. It's that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that much more important. And I don't want people to get confused into associating a particular cultural or political slant on secondary matters with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got a right. I'll just go ahead and say it like Paul. I got a right to say what I believe about those things. But I've voluntarily turned down that right a little that I might by all means be more effective at saving some. We see a great example of this philosophy at work in the early church. It's such an important example. It's so overlooked. People read over this and they don't realize what's happening. It's amazing. Acts 15, Jewish and Gentile believers, y'all, are so divided over a particular cultural issues that they can't even worship together anymore. I mean, seriously, churches led by Gentiles are experiencing a Jewish flight. And churches led by Jews are experiencing a Gentile flight. So the church leaders, Acts 15, come together and they got to like, we got to try to work something out. Their solution, however, first, I've told you this, it seems really confusing. Acts 15, 29, you can read it later. They're basically like, look, you Gentiles, here's the deal. Here's what we apostles decide. Gentiles, look, A, 
avoid sexual immorality. B, avoid eating things that died by strangulation, both of which are regularly practiced in Gentile culture. Now, let's just be honest. The reason for the prohibition on sexual immorality seems clear and fair. Stop going to prostitutes. Right? Stop hiring escorts to come with you to church. Cut that out. It makes sense. But the prohibition on eating something strangled of the entire Hebrew law, that's the one that you want to pick out? That's the one you want to say, this is really important. No, it, it, they're not saying it was the most important. Here, James explains the reasoning for the regulation. He says, look, from ancient generations, Moses has been preached in every city. And what he means by that is, in every city, there's a lot of Jews. And Jews, these Jews need to be reached for Jesus. And when Gentiles are out in the parking lot, barbecuing things that they had just strangled, that's gonna produce a major stumbling block for the Jews to even get into church. The apostles knew that if these unsaved Jews came into the church and Gentiles are in the back choking the gophers and throwing them on the grill, the Jews are not gonna be able to stomach it, no pun intended. And then they wouldn't get a chance to hear the gospel and be saved. And the apostles were like, yep, you Gentiles have a right to eat choked gophers if you want. Gross as it is, that's your freedom. But we're asking you to forgo that right so that more unsaved Jews in the community can hear the gospel. And then James, the leader of the Jerusalem church, wraps up their decision by uttering one of the most important but overlooked phrases in the whole New Testament for what a church's mission philosophy should be. Acts 15, 19, he said, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles or Jews who are turning to God. Summit family, I've told you that I wish I could plaster James' phrase on every single one of our hearts. I wish I could make it the headline over every single one of your Facebook pages. Do all you can not to make it hard for Gentiles who are turning to God. Don't make it hard for our black friends to find God. Don't make it hard for Democrats. Don't make it hard for Republicans. Don't make it hard for Asian seekers or white seekers or brown seekers or anybody. Don't make it hard for public school teachers or policemen. We have a gospel too precious and a mission too urgent to let anything stand in its way. Listen, some of you are passionate about politics and you're passionate about which solutions will work best for society. And I wanna be clear, that is a good thing. We should care deeply about these things. And I pray that many of you get inspired by this church to get more involved in the political process, not less. We gotta speak out about injustice and oppression and suffering around us. But the point is in the church, let's not let a secondary culturally shaped perspective on the best strategies or candidates or a particular interpretation of an event that honestly is probably more shaped by my background than it is anything else. Let's not let any of those become synonymous with the authority of the gospel because that's when the gospel suffers and people stay lost. We do all this for the sake of the gospel, but by all means, we might save more of them. All right, everyone, thanks for listening to this. Uh, Ask Me Anything. Again, this was just a clip from a recent sermon that J.D. preached answering that question, how does the church achieve diversity? If you are interested in hearing more sermons from J.D., or you want to read stuff that J.D. wrote, or you just want to see general stuff that J.D.'s doing, all of that is on jdgrew.com. There is not like a live J.D. tracker on there yet. Maybe we can work on that. Not sure. But uh, definitely sermons, articles, other podcasts, all sorts of good stuff at jdgrow.com. We would definitely encourage you to go hop on over there and check that out. And we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything. <laughs>